All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of The Daily Dose on the Compliance Guy. I'm your host, Sean Weiss, and as always, I want to begin by saying thank you all so much for tuning in and logging on and just hanging out with me for a little while. Today, I want to talk about a very specific section of the Medicare Program Integrity Manual, and I'm going to stick with Chapter 3. Now, this section is so critical that I use it in a lot of the administrative law judge expert report of findings that I create. I've used it in my expert report of findings for civil and criminal cases um, because it really encompasses the medical record review process. Now, this section specifically applies to the MACs, the CERTs, the RACs, the Supplemental Medical Review Contractors, and the UPICs. Now, Medicare is smart here because they do a really good job of defining what a medical record review is. And Really, it involves requesting, receiving, and reviewing medical documentation associated with a claim. It's a great, simplified definition. Now, for the purposes of determining medical necessity, medical record reviews require a licensed medical professional to use clinical review judgment to evaluate medical record documentation. Stop. Don't go any further. Let me read that again to you. Medical record review for the purpose of determining medical necessity requires a licensed medical professional to use clinical review judgment to evaluate medical record documentation. Well, if that's the case, why do we have non-clinical auditors making determinations on medical necessity? Ponder that for just a minute. So this leads us to the discussion of clinical review judgment. Now, Medicare breaks it down in two steps. Step one is the synthesis of all submitted medical record information. So we're talking about progress notes, diagnostic findings, medications, nursing notes. This information is used to create a longitudinal clinical picture of the patient. Second, the application of this clinical picture to the review criteria is to make a reviewer determination on whether the clinical requirements in the relevant policy have been met. Now, MAC, CERT, RAC, and UPIC clinical review staff shall use clinical review judgment when making medical record review determinations about a claim. Now, for me, here's the most critical part. Clinical review judgment does not replace poor or inadequate medical records. 
Clinical review judgment by definition, folks, listen to this, is not a process that Max, certs, racks, and UPICs can use to override, supersede, or disregard a policy requirement. Why? Because policies include laws, regulations, CMS's rulings, manual instructions, MAC policy articles attached to a local coverage determination, or listed in the Medicare coverage database, national coverage decisions, and local determinations. So I know that's a lot to digest. So let me just repeat this first part, which I think is critical. Clinical review judgment does not replace poor or inadequate medical records. Very simple, folks. Now, the next part that I want to talk about for me is so important because you have a recourse. Whether the max and or their contractors or the contractors to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services like it or not, they have to maintain and, when requested, provide the credentials of their reviewers. Folks, here's what it says. During a medical record review, nurse and physician reviewers have an ability to call upon other healthcare professionals, right? So they could call on dietitians or physician specialists to get more advice. The MACs, the RACs, the CERTs are required to ensure that services reviewed by other licensed healthcare professionals, folks, listen to this, are within their scope of practice and that their medical record strategy supports the need for their specialized expertise in the adjudication of particular claim types, such as speech therapy claims, physical therapy, and it goes on from there. Now, for me, I look at that and I say, all right, what they're talking about here additionally is that an individual reviewing provider records has to have the requisite skills in that specialty in order to be able to adjudicate those particular types of claims. And if they don't, they shouldn't be utilized. Now, when it comes to the RACs, they have to ensure that a licensed medical professional performs medical record reviews for the purpose of determining medical necessity using their clinical review judgment to evaluate medical record documentation. Folks, they also require that certified coders will perform coding determinations. 
But for me, it's not enough that they have a certification. I want to know what their requisite skills are in orthopedic surgery, in neurosurgery, in cardiothoracic surgery, in gynecology. Now, the certs as well as the MACs are only encouraged to make coding determinations by using certified coders. But our good friends at the UPICs have the discretion to make coding determinations using coding, uh, certified coders as well. Now, in the very next section is where they talk about the, main, the maintaining of a credential file. And here's what it says. The MAX, RACs, CERTs, uh, UPICs are required to maintain a credentials file for each reviewer. So this includes consultants, contract staff, subcontractors, as well as any temporary staff. It's for anyone who performs medical record reviews. And the credential file has to contain at least a copy of the reviewer's active professional license. So the last thing that I want to talk about is the quality improvement process, right? What they refer to as a QI process. And in this section, they specifically talk about the fact that the MACs, the CERTs, the RACs, and the SMRCs have to establish a QI process that verifies the accuracy of medical record decisions made by licensed healthcare professionals. So it goes back to what I was saying before. It's not enough for them to simply be a medical doctor or a doctor of osteopathy. They have to possess the requisite skills to fit within the medical record strategy created by these contractors. They also are required to attend the annual medical review training conferences as directed by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services or under their scope of work. And on top of that, the MACs, the CERTs, the RACs, and the SMRCs shall include inter-rater reliability assessments in their QI process and shall report these results to CMS. Folks, there's a whole slew of information at your fingertips to contest adverse findings of audits if you believe they missed the mark. So again, this is, for me, one of the most important sections of Chapter 3 of the Medicare Program Integrity Manual. Again, it's 3.3.1.1 Medical Record Review. It became effective August 27th of 2020 with an implementation of the same date. Folks, look it up, review it, figure out how to use this to level the playing field during an audit. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of this Daily Dose episode on the Compliance Guy. 
as always, thank you all so much for spending just a little bit of time with me each and every single day. Until tomorrow, be good to yourself, but more importantly, be good to each other. Take care.